Hi guys, welcome to the Sexy Time Podcast. You're here with me, Belle. And me, Ava. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Drew O'Bannon. Sorry, what are your pronouns before we move forward? Uh, any, any, but I prefer they, them. They, them. See, that's a mistake I always make. Um, they are Drew O'Bannon. Um, they are a sex educator and a burlesque performer. It's such an interesting job title. I can't wait to get into it and for you to tell us your story of how it started. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here today. Yes. Maybe Drew, you can tell us how did you, how did you start? How did you start with your career as a sex educator? And then did that evolve into a burlesque performer or did that happen simultaneously? Um, I do, I do think that there are very similar parts of my personality expressed in just very different ways. Okay. But it's funny that you asked when I first started thinking about like becoming a sex educator, because for me, I think it was something I always knew. Um, we get very uncomfortable when we talk about young children having sexual feelings or interest in sex, but I can say from my personal experience that I was interested in sex from a very, very young age. Yeah. And it was with no outside influence whatsoever. I didn't have any terms. I didn't know anything. Um, but there was just something in me that was like really interested in it. I remember the first time I quote unquote looked at porn. It's, it wasn't really porn. I just went on Wikipedia and then searched for cunnilingus. Oh and my then, gosh. <laughs> you knew how to spell thing, that at, at that age? <laughs> what age were you? <laughs> I think I was around like 11 or something. <laughs> it was like 2005, 2006. And I, that's what I would just spend my weekends looking up random sexual terms on Wikipedia. <laughs> so I don't know. It felt like a very natural progression um, because I loved learning about it. And I also loved talking about it. So um, at some point, a friend and I who had very similar interests got together and decided, you know, why don't we just talk about this? Yeah. Did you feel like you were left alone to explore what sex and cunnilingus and all these different words were? As uh, growing up, I did enjoy self study a lot, but I was very lucky to have a dad who was extremely open about sex because wow, he was. That is so unique. Like you never yeah. hear it coming from the dads ever. Oh yeah, like he used to be a hippie in oh, San Francisco in the like sixties and seventies. So you know, growing up, he had very realistic rules for me about sex. He was always. Uh, telling me to ask him questions because it would be so much better for the answers to come from him yeah. than to come from my peers or at the time, um, the wild west of the <laughs> internet. This was like the mid 2000s. So it was a very different landscape. So my dad wanted me to ask him and um, have that open communication because he experienced this childhood where his parents trusted him, um, taught him how to make good decisions so he tried to do the same with me. That's awesome. But wait, can I ask you, like from a, I've, I always hear perspectives of moms. How, how would your dad teach you um, his beliefs? I want to know. I'm just curious. Yeah, to know just what like that an is. example. Yeah. Uh, well, he was very vocally uh, pro-choice growing up. He was very vocally um, an ally of the LGBT community. He so just basically beautiful. created this incredibly safe space where I knew where he stood on on issues, on reproductive issues, on sexual issues. He always told me that he wouldn't let me get married if I didn't live with a partner first. Okay. So cool. um, I love yeah. Him. He's so, so open-minded also. 
Extremely. And that, that made a really big impact on me growing up because I never really had that shame. I mean, yeah. there was still a little bit of shame, obviously. Yeah, we live yeah. in, the, we live in this country. I went to a Catholic school. Yeah. But, um, I did feel like I had a lot less shame than other people growing up and I, I was more open to it uh, at is a it, much younger age. Is it because your dad is not Filipino or is, is he Filipino? Technically, he's half. Okay. Technically, but we're splitting hairs. Um, yeah, he had a very liberal upbringing, upbringing. as well, growing as uh, growing up because his dad was was American, and then he went to college in the states during the Francisco free love too. hippie movement. So yeah. cool! I love that. That's really cool. Your dad probably played a huge role in in yeah creating that safe space for you to talk and ask questions. Yeah. Which it's is so great important. To see. Yeah, I I, like, I I love it. We we rarely get guests on who have parents um, that are like open. that. Yeah, it's more of like unlearning right now. Yeah, singular yeah. parent. I still had like a very religious mom, so that was an interesting contrast yeah. growing up. Having one parent telling you have sex, do all these things, and another parent telling you that like it's you're broken, damaged goods now. <laughs> it yeah, was very... Yeah. How does that work? Doesn't it confuse you? Or you kind of just knew where you gravitated towards? Well, I think children gravitate towards what feels good to them, what feels enriching, what feels nourishing, even mm-hmm. if we don't have an idea of what's right or wrong, or we don't know how to separate our own inner voice from what society's telling us. We know what feels good to us. So I knew that one side felt very punitive. It felt very restricting. I felt so stifled, like I couldn't breathe. And then there was another side where I felt liberated and uh, like myself, like I could um, be authentic. So I just gravitated towards sex. That's right. yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and here we are now. <laughs> okay. And what about being a burlesque performer? How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just kind of stumble into things. Um, I love having <laughs> new experiences. <laughs> so um, I was at a kink event. Uh, we were performing at a uh, bondage festival. Ooh. And a photographer who was a producer for burlesque shows in the States asked us what the burlesque scene was like here. And we said, there isn't any... <laughs> So he asked, oh, do you want to start one? And none of us dance. None of us have ever done this before. We're like, okay, sure. Like, The only, I think, qualification we had was that we were comfortable being relatively nude in public. But I okay. think that's, that's basically the only requirement. And then the so you fell into that after? Yeah. So we just put on a show. We started a troupe. Um, and now here we are. <laughs> awesome. So that's really, really interesting and and I love that it can coexist, you know, like actually in the beginning I said, you know, it might be a contrast, but it works hand in hand because it's about being sex positive. And this, that's a clear example of coming from a mindset that kind of feeds into us that it's, you know, sex, being a burlesque performer and a sex edu- educator is almost like being a hypocrite or going against, but Now that I think about it, and when you explain it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. It actually goes hand in hand, and it works. Yeah, but this is a clear example of my my, me unlearning things, right? Wait, to give to give context to our listeners, um, before we recorded, my sister was asking Drew, um, how how 
uh, she was, what did you say exactly? I just asked, like, how do you want to be introduced? And then she, uh, they, sorry, see, oh my God. Okay. They said, I want to be introduced as a burlesque performer and a sex educator. And my immediate reaction, word vomit, is, oh, that kind of goes against each other. And then now after, um, they explained it, I'm like, okay, I understand it so much more now. And it's still me unlearning what yeah. we've always kind of learned. It's so nice to also realize that because that's kind of why we have these conversations anyway, yeah. right? Even so for cool. us, right? There's so much things for us hosts to learn. Truthfully, even using the pronouns they, I have such a hard time. Like, honestly, you'll find me correcting myself over and over again. But, you know, that's something you just kind of like have to keep practicing, right? Anyway, let's let's go into our questions, what we wanted to talk to Drew about. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about the hookup culture? So I guess it's really important to differentiate between how I feel about hookups to how okay. I feel about hookup culture, okay, because those good. are two very different things. I love hookups. Uh, <laughs> I think they're amazing. I think they're a very um, essential connection that I've learned a lot from in my life. Hookup culture, especially um, how hookup culture works in the Philippines, is a different beast altogether. So I identify as queer, Okay. Um, and I tend to date like female presenting people. And okay. I find that hookup culture there is very different than when I date, especially cishet men. Oh my gosh. Wait, wait sorry. <laughs> what is cishet world? Okay. Yeah. Because, so, yeah. I need to know I'm about so this. I'm so uneducated in it. Sorry. So okay. cishet as in cisgender heterosexual. Because I can date bi men, for example, or non-binary male presenting people. But specifically when I date straight cisgender men, hookup culture is also very different. Question. Straight cis heterosexual men, mm -hmm. in layman's terms, is what? It's a guy who dates a, a girl. Yeah, a guy who identifies like born with the penis. penis and then identifies as a man and dates the opposite sex. Okay, okay. I understand. Yeah, and so. then when you say when you date non-binary um, men or bi men, they're men who identify as male, but they also hook up with other males? Other males who own penises and females who Is own Is that correct? Bulbous. Some of them identify as men. Some of them don't identify as men. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it's either it's identify as men or nothing or don't identify anything at all or what? Uh, well, I have a variety of partners. So some of them okay. identify as men. Some of them identify as non-binary. So outside of the gender spectrum, okay. typically neither male nor female strictly. Okay. Um, some of them do identify as men. So I've just noticed like a lot of differences with hookup culture um, based on sexuality. I think there's a level of openness, fluidity, and vulnerability that I found in my queer relationships. Okay. But when it comes to hookup culture with cishet, you know, straight men, um, I find that it's very... I mean, I don't want to overuse the word objectifying. And I also yeah. love feeling like an object sometimes. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think there really is a lack of connection. It feels very... Um, Fuck buddy. Uh, but see, you can have very fulfilling fuck buddy. I mean, I hope like the buddy and the is fuck it, like, buddy relationship is... Yes, it feels so transactional. It feels soulless. Um, yeah. 
not necessarily because I don't love them. Um, yeah. That's not a requirement for me. But there's just something missing with a connection. I think it might be vulnerability, openness, yeah. Yeah. Um, the willingness to listen to each other and co-create a relationship or co-create a sexual experience. It's like I, this ends here. Is that what you yeah. mean? Okay. Oh, but is it that's also fine because? Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But is it also because straight men, straight cisgender hetero cisgender hetero men, that's all they want? See, I'm okay with also just sex because sometimes I also do just want sex. It's more like the act of sex itself is so wham bam, thank you, ma'am. It's yeah. very much about extracting the most amount of pleasure, typically for them. Yeah. In the shortest amount of time. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, okay. I see it. So it's like you, when you hook up with um, those types of people, it's more like very one-sided, kind of selfish. Yeah. Whereas you, you want something else. You want obviously your pleasure also to be um, looked at and maybe a little bit of aftercare. Mm-hmm. But you, okay. you, you did mention like in your queer hookups, um, it's different, right? Yes. How is that How? different? I think there's just a, a willingness to talk about it more. So I'm the okay. kind of person who I want to have a full-blown conversation. I'll send you a spreadsheet of things I like <laughs> in bed. <laughs> you know, para claro I like my ears licked or whatever. Yes, like these parts are a no-go. This is like a maybe. These are hard. Yes, please do this. <laughs> Venn diagram. Yeah, right? And I talk about my boundaries as it concerns safety, privacy, um, emotions. Like, oh, yeah. are we doing this with feelings? No feelings. Like, I try to be very, very clear. Yeah. How, um, and how I, you... I, I, Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I just find that like other queer people are uh, much more open to talking about um, those aspects of sex. And I, I enjoy that very much because it's, it's also foreplay. Yeah. You know, and it makes sure that everyone's on the same page and you're equally invested in each other's pleasure. I love what you said, being equally invested in uh, your, each other's pleasure, because sometimes it isn't like that, right? Yeah. How do you create boundaries in bed? Like, how do you establish that? Does that ruin the moment or is that something you would suggest people to do? I think if you can ruin the moment with boundaries, then there was no moment to begin with. The moment was built on extremely shaky foundations. Uh, Which happens, right? Right, but like the reason why people don't set boundaries in those moments is because they know that if they do, things might not go their way. So that's what I mean by very shaky. I think being able to set boundaries shows trust and confidence that this connection that we have is strong enough to, uh, you know, have these boundaries. And boundaries are extremely important because they're not about like um, controlling what the other person does. They're about protecting yourself. Yeah. So it's, it's not like necessarily like, don't do this. It's how do I guarantee that I feel safe and that I have a good time? And if you're not safe and not having a good time, why are you doing this? Just masturbate. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. so true. So can you give me an example of how you set a boundary? Let's say you meet somebody and you guys are about to do it. Just because for our listeners, we always get questions like they don't even have the words or the tools to be able to do that. So yeah. I feel like sometimes it's almost spoon feeding us. Like, okay, this is what you need to say to set a boundary. I'm okay with anal and please don't remove your condom. Is that a boundary? I guess it is, right? 
Yes, that's absolutely a boundary um, and a very important one for most people, especially if you're hooking up like um, so many unwanted pregnancies. And even if you want to get pregnant, there's like STDs to think about. So it's a very essential boundary that a lot of people don't even discuss beforehand. Uh, what yeah. I like to do is I try to get it out of the way as soon as possible. Um, I don't wait until we're in the heat of the moment because... Okay. You know, you at that point, you kind of want to go into the flow and it's like a dance. You know, you yeah. rehearse the dance steps before you do the dance. Yeah. So I like to lay it out before we have sex. Like if we're having drinks beforehand, it'll be like, okay, so um, I'm interested in having sex with you. or I'm open <laughs> to that. I don't, I don't like subtext anymore. <laughs> wow, I'm, that well, is so forward. <laughs> yeah, you're I'm, one of the few. I don't know a lot of people that, that are like that, which is really cool. Because I'm neurodivergent. So it's like... What does that mean? Uh, I have ADHD. Okay. And um, I used to try and operate off of subtext and body language. And Would people like, read between the lines? <laughs> yeah. And it's okay. like, oh, I, but I'm terrible at reading minds is what I've learned over the years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're just like, you know what? I'm interested in having sex with you. Then let oh, me... Okay. <laughs> yes. And We're like, there. Do, do you no, know I mean, how It's a many... great way to communicate. Right? And like... Um, what the turning point for me was in college. I had this crush on this girl for like years, but everyone told me she was straight. But I, 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 my gut instinct told me she wasn't like the, like the moment I laid eyes on her, I knew she wasn't straight, but I let everybody around me tell me otherwise. So for yeah. years I was pining after her. And yeah. then finally we talked about it. Um, when she was like about to get a boyfriend and she was like I've liked you this entire time and I was like oh my god oh my gosh I have I chills hate, I hate everyone that told you not to right so I, I looked at everybody and I was like you were all so wrong and so ever since then I made it an absolute point to if I feel something I'm going to be honest about it because if I don't ask for what I want I'm never going to get it I'm just gonna have regrets yeah. and then so you find out last minute that she actually likes you and you'll be like Wait, that is such there. a great lesson on trusting your intuition. Yeah, absolutely. Not right? everyone has the courage to do that, but yeah, but I totally agree. Wait, well, so Drew, one thing you have to get really used to when you do when you're doing hookups and casual sex is you have to get used to rejection. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So wait, I'm writing that down. I'm taking notes. Casual sex, you have. To, <laughs> I do have notes have, here. If you're too. open to casual sex. <laughs> If you're open to casual sex, you need to be able to accept rejection, right? Yes. Yeah. Before we get into that, I want to ask you, can you explain what is a FUBU or a fuck buddy? Okay, so a fuck buddy can really take many forms, but I guess at its core, it's a person that you have sex with that you're not seeing romantically. Okay. Person that you have sex with. So there's no frequency, it's not, or, I mean, there are you those could, things to it, right? It's a you booty could be call. A, you could be a fuck buddy that's like very regular. Um, I know some people who have like extremely regular fuck buddies where they see them multiple times a week. It's, I guess, really the level of emotional involvement. Um, maybe they don't do romantic things together. Okay. Um, question. This is like a teacher, teacher question. Yeah. Can you, raised up <laughs> can you have a fuck buddy if you're in a relationship or is that considered cheating? Uh, well, if you're in an ethically consensual, non-monogamous relationship, or if you have an open relationship where all the parties involved are aware that there are other parties, yeah. then yes, you can absolutely have a fuck buddy in a relationship. Um, but if somebody 
is not aware of the situation, whether it's the fuck buddy who doesn't know you have a partner or the partner yeah, who doesn't yeah. know you have a fuck buddy, then that's definitely cheating. That's fucked up. <laughs> right? <laughs> no, because you know what? I'll be honest. Huh? I have, you have I one. Know, no, I know a friend who was who told me the best fuck buddy is somebody married. And I was like, oh, that's fucked oh up. Oh my God, don't be but, friends with her. Oh, I, I don't also want to judge that person. I'm kind of like, you know... I'm One so step. well. I can't. I mean, I want to pretend that I'm open to that, but I'm just not. It's not if that I'm not open to it. It's just that, parang it already happened, and I'm not gonna sit there and lecture them. Okay. So I just fine. said, oh, okay, and yeah. I mean, I but, guess it is a form of infidelity, right? I'm guessing sure. the other people weren't involved, like, weren't informed yeah. that there was a yeah, third party. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I want to ask you guys ahead, first. Yeah. Have you guys? Okay, Drew. I'm going to ask you next, but I want to ask my sister. Have you had a fuck buddy? I have not had a chance to have a fuck buddy um, <laughs> because I I don't know. I feel like growing up in the Philippines and then being a little bit more in the limelight, I was just always so scared of having one. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Imagine, because yeah. yeah. Because I guess the showbiz scene is so small also and people talk. So I was very conscious of that. Um, yeah, but people in showbiz have fuck buddies, right? Yeah, for sure. I just, yeah. I just didn't get to have one. I, yeah, yeah. But you're also the type who you like, like being in relationships, long term relationships. One, <laughs> I'm <clean>. vanilla. <laughs> I am a vanilla. <laughs> Drew, what about you? What about you, Drew? Well, ironically enough, vanilla is my favorite ice cream flavor. Uh, <laughs> little known fact about me. <laughs> uh, like, I think actually a majority of the people I've slept with could be classified as fuck buddies. Okay. Yes. Uh, most of them took place outside of long-term relationships. Okay. But to be fair, I haven't had a monogamous long-term relationship in a very long time. <laughs> okay, so, so then... Okay. You've been in a relationship, but it hasn't been monogamous. Yeah, well, I'm currently saying? single, but okay. um, the last two relationships I had, which basically spanned eight years um, total wow. for both, um, those were both non-monogamous relationships. Can you well, enlighten okay. us what a non-monogamous relationship is and how do you go about that? How do you get into that, first of all? You come yeah. into a relationship and say, like, listen, I want to date other people, but you're cool. Yeah, basically. I, I, I totally, like, I have no idea. And, and you educating us on that is... Just yeah, seeing the perspective. Really helpful. Yeah. Like, keep get, having an open mind towards that. I'm actually really interested. Because I'm super the type to be jealous and clingy. A lot of girls are. And insecure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm also the type to be jealous and insecure and clingy. Those are, like, perfectly normal human emotions yeah you know and like having one relationship structure or another doesn't stop that from happening it's funny because yeah. um, i'm the one who's uh who would open up the relationship so my first one with my ex-boyfriend uh after several months of dating i just told him you know i really wouldn't mind if you dated other people because was I that was that <laughs> okay okay i just want to talk about that a little bit more like where were you coming from when you said that and how did he receive it was it kind of like you trying to break up with him or did you genuinely mean like you didn't mind it at all i genuinely meant it because um i've had the unfortunate experience of being cheated on by several partners in the past 
Um, and every time it would happen, I really like wouldn't care that they had slept with somebody else or that they had feelings for somebody else or that they were dating somebody else. What I really cared about was the fact that they were lying to me, the fact that they were, um, no longer putting effort into our relationship because there was another person because mm-hmm. they have this idea that they can only focus on one person at a time. So it was never even like there's another person. I never cared about that. So when I finally stopped to think about it, I um, had a partner cheat on me yeah. and um, I was completely aware of it the entire time. I was even telling him where to go on dates with her. And <laughs> Wait, how does that work? How does that even work? But that's why I had to sit and be like, why am I like this? <laughs> why, yeah. why am I not reacting in the way that um, society has been telling me to react or that I should be reacting? And yeah, of course, there was jealousy. I compared myself to her very negatively for a very long time and that really hurt my self-esteem but that was more of like I was 19 years old everyone's super insecure at 19 and I got into another relationship after and I told um that guy that look I'm I'm bi I, I I'm attracted to other people constantly I don't mind if you date other people and I'm 19 like I'm super young I don't think I need to be locking myself down but I really like you so thankfully he was super chill. He was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. Like there was no. <laughs> was, I want to <laughs> ask so you, when you, when you tell people like you're by, does it, 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 does it also depend on the type of person you're speaking to? If it was like a cisgender hetero, are they the type to receive that well? Or is it better when you're talking to someone who's um, open to, I don't know, like, is it different for the type of guy you're talking like, to? Like, do you structure what you say to a person you're in a, about to be in a relationship with depending on their preference or sexuality. Because if you were to talk to a cisgender hetero male, would that person take it as easy as somebody who is fluid or bi or kind of like, no, we have to be dating just us? Uh, well, I'm the kind of person, uh, or at least I'm the kind of person now at this point in my life where um, I try to be as authentic as possible. So I don't try to fit myself depending on who I'm talking to. Because if my goal is to create fulfilling relationships, and don't get me wrong, even if it's a hookup, even if it's just sex, I also want it to be fulfilling. Yeah. But if I want it to be fulfilling, I want these people to accept me for who I am because I want to accept them for who they are. I'm not in the business of changing people. I'm not in the business of changing myself to fit what other people think I should be because that's going to spell my own unhappiness. So I try to be as upfront, lay all my cards out on the table as early as possible. Like, this is me. If this is not what you're into, then um, nice to meet you. We can go our separate ways. Um, We don't waste anybody's time. But if um, this is something that interests you because these are non-negotiables to me, then we can continue this further. That's really cool. I mean, I want to share, like, growing up, I did have some, I did have hookups or like one night stands. And I, I totally get what you mean. Like, they just, there are times I'd go home and I'd just be like, I'm so sad. It feels so unfulfilling. Um, at the same time, there was something about it at that time or maybe that night, maybe with a mix of alcohol, you just kind of feel like, Oh, he's interested. You kind of feel really flattered. And then when you're on your way home, you're like, what did I just do? So like you do look for that sense of fulfillment and, and it's different with the one night stand versus a FUBU who you see regularly. Um, and I'm just, I'm also trying to just understand how I felt, how I felt with both. 
But I feel like there's something more with a fubu. Like, I think it depends though, because you yeah. had a one night stand with a guy that you super found hot and you were so proud of that. Oh, yeah. Versus a guy True. who you I was smart didn't like and you were like, oh, I regret, right? I so, know, I know. You know what I find so powerful, Drew, is because you are at the stage in your life where you know how to be authentically you. And that word authentic is being thrown around so much. But when you know what you like, when you know what you don't like, when you know what you stand for, what makes you vulnerable, it really shapes you as a person. So therefore, when you have your hookups and you meet people, it's so empowering to be able to stand up for what you like and what you don't like, as opposed to a lot of people who are just discovering, let's be honest, here in the Philippines. That was me. Yeah, we're just discovering what we like, what we don't like. Does this make us feel comfortable? I'm trying to experiment. And a lot of times we do things kind of trial and error. So we'll have one night stands and then in the end it's like, oh shit, I actually don't like one night stands. Or some people will have fuck buddies and they're like, oh my God, I don't want to take it anymore. I actually like this fuck buddy just as a fuck buddy. Um, so learning yeah. from you, it's like, wow, you really were, are on, uh, you're really, where you are today is, is parang, it really has shaped you as a person and a lot of people Shape. aren't there yet. Yeah. If you had talked to me maybe like three, six, a year ago, like, uh, I was a completely different person. Like, I'm also yeah. doing this trial and error because, um, I'm not following a traditional monogamy script. I'm not, tra- yeah. uh, I'm not following the traditional relationship escalator where yeah. you have like dating and then you become boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever. And then you move in and then you get engaged, you get married, you have kids. I'm not doing that. So I don't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels really good to say that. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's I, fine. it's fine. Like, I don't need to know what I'm doing. I'm just following. What makes me feel good without, you know, hurting anybody. And I want people that's to how know you, that yeah. I want people to know that that's, that's actually totally, totally fine. Some people are so pressured. I have a lot of friends who are like, I'm 30 now. I should be doing this, like putting so much pressure on that. And it even, it makes it even worse. Right. Yeah. It's like what society kind of dictates to us. Yeah. I have a question. Do you believe in monogamy? Because our cousin Martine, she always tells us like, monogamy is just something that was created but we weren't born to be monogamous and it's a debate right so i just like i would like to know your opinion as somebody who has non-monogamous relationships i i feel like this is a very similar question to like do i believe in virginity so it's like do i buy into the concept not necessarily do i acknowledge that the concept exists and that it's very powerful for a lot of people whether or not we are evolutionarily designed to be yeah. a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. Like there are a lot of people who are like genuinely monogamous and are perfectly happy with that. And that's totally cool. Do I think that monogamy is very restricting personally? Yes, just because of the kind of person that I am. But I know so many wonderful, amazing monogamous people who are liberated and free and yeah. happy, you know, yeah. and it's not because of the relationship structure that they have, but it's because they've they're intentional about it they're they're not just like this is what i'm going to do because this is what society has told me is going to make me happy it's they've sat down thought about their core values and said monogamy aligns with this and it just doesn't align for me at all (laughs) yeah that's awesome i love how articulate you are because Mm -hmm. it really makes me understand and absorb the information so much more same I love it. I've taken down notes here in my post-it. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a, a more about fubus. Um what are the do's and don'ts of a, of a fubu for people who are? I mean, I have a lot of friends who are in this in this type of setup and you know, they're they always come back to you asking like, "How do I play it cool or is it weird if I do this?" Um is it like can you expect from your fubu that they tell you about what's going on in their personal life? Um I'm of the belief that there are no rules in relationships there are only agreements because you know That's everybody everybody has yeah. very different ideas of what they want out of a fubu like even if you ask two different people what their definition of a fuck buddy is they'll give you wildly different definitions yeah. so if you tell somebody it's like do you want to be fuck buddies You have to clarify what you mean when you say fuck buddy because different people will think very different things. Yeah. You know, like we all have different understandings of it. So I guess my biggest do would be to talk as much as possible. Like Yeah. You lay everything out. Like this is what I expect from this. This is my limitations. Um I'm not okay with kissing or I'm not okay with hand-holding. Um no emotions or whatever or I'm only available on weekends at this time. Like you lay out what your expectations are for this particular relationship and you also lay it out immediately that you don't feel a particular way about them. Got it. One thing with communication is that things change over time, so it's um being able to constantly communicate when things change as well is very wow, important. Wow, okay. Because people play it cool sometimes, you know, they're like, "Oh, you know, we're just fuck buddies. We're unattached. This isn't you know going to get to a relationship <laughs> the game. and i do have a friend who had a fuck buddy and she slowly started developing feelings for him and he was seeing he was like courting someone else so it's like why am i your fuck buddy why aren't you interested in yeah. me and it's just so hard to tell him like he's not that interested in you he's just putting you as a fuck buddy he's actually going for someone else so when you say constantly communicating about it it's difficult for people to do that because everybody's at this stage of like what you said subtext body language wanting to play it cool you know and then afraid of rejection so there's so much things to navigate when you don't communicate yes yeah. cuz like right? why are people scared to communicate is because they're scared of change and they're scared of rejection like maybe in yeah. your friend's case they're scared to communicate their feelings because if they don't communicate yeah exactly at least they can keep the fuck buddy relationship alive but the moment you communicate the moment you Yeah, um, you express. say, "Oh, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm falling in love with you." It's like, "Oh, yeah. you're scared of that." Yeah. Things have to change, but like one thing that you get used to when you're non-monogamous is you're you're very used to change, you're very used to rejection, you're very used to things yeah. not saying not staying stagnant. Yeah. Drew, can you tell us about relationship anarchies? What is that? Okay, I I'm so excited to talk about this because like <laughs> I I recently I started identifying as a relationship anarchist. At first okay. I identified as polyamorous and then up until maybe a few months ago I identified as non-monogamous. But now I think okay. I like really latched onto this because like relationship anarchy is more of a philosophy than it is a relationship structure. So okay. you can be a relationship anarchist and a monogamist, you can be relationship anarchist and non-monogamous. But what it is is it draws from the ideas of political anarchy where um it rejects involuntary hierarchy or control. Okay. So in this case is what I said there are no rules in relationships like who said that when you date or sleep with people you have to follow these particular things 
or that you have to wait until the third date before you have sex or that you um, can't marry your best friend and not have any sexual feelings for them whatsoever. Like there are so many rules that we have. <laughs> Is it basically like do whatever, whatever the fuck you want? Yeah. Is it that? Okay. <laughs> so for, for, that's my understanding of how you, how you described it. It's custom kind of. relationships. Okay. You know, you don't just order a pepperoni pizza. You know, you, you get to add the toppings that you want. <laughs> yeah. Got it. It's custom. So a relationship anarchist, it's a philosophy rather than a structure. Yeah. That's what I wrote down. And, and it rejects involuntary hierarchy or control. Yes. Basically, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, but it also like rejects the idea that like romantic love is higher than all other forms of relationships. Oh. You know, some people tend to disappear into their partners, you know, but um, actually our familiar relationships, our platonic relationships can yeah. be just as fulfilling and just as important. Oh, wow. that's so interesting. Okay. Yeah, here we are always searching for the highest form of love. And, and yeah, you're saying that the truth is when we have platonic relationships, it's just it could just be as good. Yeah, and actually even the word platonic relationship, like when Plato coined that word, he put platonic as the ideal. Like when you say the platonic ideal of something, it's the ultimate ideal. Uh-huh. So Ooh, platonic relationships were actually the ultimate love because um, sexual attraction and whatever, romantic attraction were lowered down the rung because platonic love means you're choosing each other for who you are as people. Like think about your friends. You're not attracted yeah. to them. You get nothing out of it. Just the joy of each other's company. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's such a different perspective. And like, yeah, that can even be more fulfilling than someone you're sleeping with, right? Yes. That's so cool. So wait, you were saying you you previously identified as polyamorous and then non-monogamous. Where are you at right now? Well, currently I'm practicing solo polyamory, which means I'm not in a partnered relationship, but I am um, dating around and having multiple relationships at the same time. Um, okay. And I'm also a relationship anarchist. So... Um, Instead of trying to find, let's say, a girlfriend, two girlfriends or whatever, um, I find I just cultivate connections based on people. So it's like, this is what you want to offer. That works for me. <laughs> I don't need yeah. all my needs to be met by one person. Oh, That's my gosh. So interesting. Wait, there was something that we were just looking at. Like, uh, I, I think we sent it in the group. Martine was talking about like the sex technique. Um, and it, it's it's like... It, it, it's a technique that, uh, let me read it. It prioritizes, prioritizes touch, connection, and int- intimacy rather than an, just an orgasm. So it's like you and your partner in this intense moment, but you're not actually like touching each other. It's like just the energy and, and, and it's just a connection. I don't know. It just kind of reminded me of that. It's, it's just really so interesting. Are you talking about Tantra? Um, what was it? It was called like, um, sorry, it was called Carezza. So like it's Italian for the word caress. We just saw it online and we we're like, wow, this is something I want to try. That's so interesting. See, I've never yeah. tried um, that, but I've tried tantric sex where like we were literally just breathing each other's air and like touching each Sounds other's arms. Same. Like yeah. there was yeah. no penetration. There was no genital stimulation, but it was like one of the best sex I've ever had. <laughs> so can you wow. orgasm with that? Yeah. Well, because orgasm actually happens in the mind, not in, yeah. in the body. So, I mean, like, think about, like, the wet dreams that you've had. You're not stimulating yourself physically, but you can orgasm in your dreams. So, yeah, you can. I didn't in that particular moment, but it, like, even compared to the orgasms I've had, I was like, that was top tier. (laughs) Wow. That's so cool. I I do want to try that one day. 
You have to really be set your mind to it, huh? Yeah. Just before we wrap up, Drew, I want to give the audience concrete tools on setting boundaries when you do hook up or when you do. I know we talked about this er- earlier, but maybe you can give a few more bullet points of examples of boundaries of when you do hookups, when you hook up, when you have a fuck buddy, when you are about to enter a polyamorous amorous relationship. What are some tools like, for example, you want to date around, right? And you're really into this one person. Um, how, how, how do you prepare that person? What do you say? Like, hey, listen, I'm open and I want this to be an open relationship. I want to still date around, but I like you. And I want to give the audience, the listeners, tools and examples of how to, one, set boundaries and two, communicate what you want out of this relationship, whatever it may be. Well, first things first, it's really important to turn inward because obviously you can't articulate what it is you want and need if you don't know what it is you want and need. And um, obviously, it's going to be a process. Things will change over time. I love looking at how my boundaries and uh, agreements have changed over time, my interests, my kinks. um, That You have to allow room for that. You have to allow room for the process. Uh, But generally, being honest about where you are at in your process is very useful. So um, even while you're figuring it out, uh, I think it's very important to communicate that to other people. Like, look, I'm still figuring this out. You don't like you don't need to have everything laid out, although it's useful, but just being honest about it. And when you finally do figure it out, you know, through time, a lot of trial and error, like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to hurt people accidentally or on purpose. Uh, you know, like <laughs> saying you, you got to break a few eggs sometimes to, to make an omelet. So yeah. um, allowing for grace when people fuck up because, you know, we're all human beings doing our best with what little information we have about how to do relationships. Nobody taught us <laughs> this. So yeah. having grace and yeah, just being, uh, when you're honest about where you're at, then the other person can always meet you there without mm-hmm. demanding so, like, more of you. Just carry him. So just, you know, when you're authentic to yourself, you might not always get what you want, but you'll always make choices that align with what matters to you. So regardless of what turns out, like what the outcome is, you can be sure that you're choosing yourself and that you're choosing your own happiness because you're being true to what it is truly you're desiring. Like if you want a, a fuck buddy situation and you're, that's truly what you want, be honest about it. Yeah. If you're using sex as a way to make somebody fall in love with you, be honest about it. Like that happens uh, a lot. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I, I think so. Really? It does. And it's like, you know, like that's why people are like, Oh, how do I do this? Like how, how, how do I, um, I have feelings for this person, but we're in a fuck buddy relationship. It's yeah. not even like how to fuck buddy. It's how do I deal with the emotions that I have? Yeah. Oh. You know, and it's like um, one important thing I've learned from non-monogamy and relationship anarchy is that um, it is entirely possible to have feelings for somebody and not have it be reciprocated. And that's valid. That's okay. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't take away the joy you have yeah. of loving someone. Yeah, and accepting exactly. them for where they are at. And if somebody can't offer you what it is that you want, like you're a fuck, you're in a fuck buddy situation, but it, what you actually want is a relationship, then find somebody who can give you that. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, people have a variety of reasons for not being able to give you what you want. It rarely has anything to do with you. It's yeah. rarely about you. It's, it could be a million other reasons. So if they can't give it to you. People need to remember that. People need to remember that because people you know take what? it. That's going to be our sound clip. Yeah. 
Yeah, because people always take that really, really personally. Yeah. Um, and that's what destroys people's like ego, right? Uh, I love that, Drew. It was so nice to speak with you. I I'm can so, go I'm on and on and on and on. Like, <laughs> Me too. We've just been, the format of our podcast is always just like 30 minutes. And it's so hard because when you pass the 40-minute mark, we're like, how do we trim down anything? Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we get a lot of questions from people and sometimes we struggle to answer it. So we would need like people to come on and, and answer it. We're just getting started, Drew. Yes. Here in the podcast. Well, yes. Like on or off mic, I would love to talk to you more about this because yeah. I just yeah. love Even talking about mic. relationships with people. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe maybe before we go, you can also invite the people or our, our, our audience to check out your podcast. shows or your or, podcast. Yeah, anything you want to plug. Because we are going to be in your next. I want to watch your, one of your next shows. Maybe yes. Okay. So um, you can follow me at Drewski Ob on Twitter. Uh, I also have a sex education podcast called Now Open the Podcast. We're currently on hiatus, but uh, we do plan to come back uh, with an event very, very soon. Ooh. And uh, I also do burlesque. I don't have any upcoming dates, but I typically perform at Nectar for Girl Nation Thursdays. So that's usually the last Thursday of the month. Cool. We should go, Avs. Yeah. We, Can you I invite us when you're performing? Yeah, absolutely. I just saw photos of her last one. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> last week of what? Of the month? Last Thursday of the month? Last Thursday of the month. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Drew. Thank you Thank for your you, time and Drew. for being here. Thank you. Thank you. The key takeaway for me, it was just really interesting learning about the different genders in the spectrum, like cisgender, non-binary. Can I say when people talk about these things, I'm always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my head, I'm like, what the hell? I don't understand anything. So for her to be able to explain it and actually get me to understand it, that's already mind-blowing for me. There's so much more. But what about you? My key takeaways is that I wrote so many notes down, but probably... If you are going to have a one-night stand, a fuck buddy, or get into a relationship, it's really important you set boundaries in the bedroom because it it's important to feel safe, which we haven't really talked about. I mean, we did in the ep- season one about consensual and stuff like that, but it's a great reminder that, you know, being intimate and having sex, you also have to protect yourself and feel safe. So putting boundaries is definitely one of that. Um, if you're going to have casual sex, you need to be open to being rejected. Yeah. Because that's just what it is. It's casual, right? Wait, can I, can I go back to your other point of like being able to put boundaries in one night stands? I'm just trying to picture it like from my, from my past experience. And it's like, I, I actually wish I knew how to do that. When you're in that moment, I kind of get what she's saying. Like some people are scared if you say it, then it's not going to happen. It's just, yeah. And also some younger people out there who are listening here, you need to know that you have a right to set boundaries. And when we say that, it means if you're going to engage in consensual sex, you can tell that partner, listen, I don't want you to, I don't know, touch my boobs, or I want, I want you to wear a condom the whole time. I don't want you to, you know, do anal. I love it when, I actually find that really sexy when a girl knows what she wants and then she can tell a guy. I find that cool. Yeah, but a lot of people have a hard time communicating. And especially with our culture, especially if it's a one-night stand or a fuck buddy, it's like yeah. you're not that comfortable, right? Yeah. But again, going back to what Drew said, it's choosing yourself, choosing what you desire. So yeah. every time 
you get in your head space and you're thinking like, oh my God, what if he won't like me after this? Or what if she won't like you after this? It's like, no. Be clear in the beginning so that, you know, at the end of the day, you can't be like, oh, I didn't really like it when that person did this. You never said anything, right? So that's why they licked your armpit or whatever. But what if it's someone you find super cute and you love him and you find him like super, super hot? Yeah, it really depends on you, right? <laughs> You're like, do anything. In the, in the end, like, it all depends on you. And yeah. I think one thing that would really help sandwich and help communicate these boundaries is asking that person, do you have any boundaries? Is there something you don't want me to do? Because, you know, some people might not want you to do something as well. Yeah. Right? Maybe, Does it make sense? That's a, good, that's a good way to put it. Like, ask people too. Yeah, like, what do you want me not to do? Uh, you know what I'm thinking of? It's like when you go into the salon and the hairdresser's like, what do you like? And you're like, I just want light layers and I want <laughs> you to have a little V-shape in the end and my blow dry, I want it to be volume and not straight. And then you ask the blow, the, the hair cutter, like, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, maybe I can do this. And it's like a collaborative effort. I feel like that can be applied in the bedroom I like the, I, I, I or when you have a fuck thing. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> or a one-night stand. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Anyways, okay. That's it. Stay tuned for our next episode next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Last week, we didn't get to drop an episode because Ava gave birth. And I, I was forcing... Baby. <laughs> she dropped a baby. Forcing her to um, <laughs> record. But she was on day two of the cesarean section. Wait, She's like, please don't make me do that. In the hospital, like, give me my mic. <laughs> Setting up her mic. Anyways. The things you make me do, I hate you, Talaga. It's anyway. commitment. I know, that's true. Um, what's that? You guys can follow us on Instagram at the Sexy Time Podcast, on Twitter at Sexy Time Podcast, or send us an email at the Sexy Time Podcast at gmail.com for questions or topic suggestions. Yes, we Try to com- uh, we try to compress all your questions and all your stories, and then we're gonna have an episode where we talk about it. It's so much fun. We are so thrilled that you guys are so engaged in our podcast, and it really motivates us to keep going. Because sometimes, honestly, we're tamad, yeah. but um, we we love hearing from you guys. So thank but, you so much. So yeah, what she was saying, we're gonna have this new segment that. That it's going to be well, cold. No, don't say it now. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Yeah. So if you like this episode, don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Also, we would appreciate it if you shared it um, to somebody random in your WhatsApp or Viber group. Somebody unexpected. Um, somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Just maybe it could be a tool to reconnect or have a discussion the next time you meet people. Um, we really want to encourage people to talk about sex and just get in there, you know. Say the word, sex. Go. Um, okay, my baby's crying. I have to go. Bye. Bye.